You know, this past Friday night, we had a great event here. We had a Bridge Women event entitled She Unites. It was an amazing night. It was awesome. Yeah, several hundred women here and about 30 guys who served and served and served and sweated and did muscle work. You didn't have to go to the gym on Saturday. It was awesome. And we just want to say thank you to everybody who was here. But we really had a great event Friday night. We sure did. It was awesome. And I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who attended and to everyone who served. Thank you so, so much. It wouldn't have happened without you. We just appreciate you so much. It was an awesome night. God really spoke through our guest speaker, Pastor Helen Burns, and just really spoke into all of our lives. It was just so awesome. And we're excited because she hasn't left us yet. Pastor Helen has stayed over to do our Sunday services, and we're just so excited about having her with us this morning. And for those of you who may not be familiar with her, let me just tell you a little bit. Helen and her husband, John, are the founding pastors of Relate Church just outside Vancouver, Canada. And uh, she's an author and travels extensively around the globe speaking. And they co-host a television show entitled Love, Sex, and Relationships. They're really passionate about seeing people have healthy relationships and healthy families. And they have a beautiful family. They've been married for 44 years and just have uh, three gorgeous daughters. And she has eight beautiful grandchildren, one of whom is here today. So glad you're here, Grace. And I have known known Helen for probably close to 25 years, and I can say that she is one of the most warm, genuine, down-to-earth women I've ever met, and I just know you are going to love her today. And we are so glad Helen is here. We're going to introduce her to you in just a moment. But, you know, I just had to tell first service, Anne has known John and Helen for a lot of years. I met them a few years ago, and I was so pleased to meet them because I didn't even know they had churches in Canada. What a great thing to know, huh? Hey, you know what, Helen, we're so glad you're here. If you would, put your hands together and make a lot of noise. Give Helen Burns a welcome today. church look at you are you good we finally have churches in Canada we just got electricity the other day too people think we roam the streets with polar bears well sometimes we do uh, we're having a bear problem in not our neighborhood but about 30 minutes from us I'm not even kidding and uh, so there are bears around. We have deer every once in a while, but I think sometimes people think it snows all year, right? Well, almost all year, but not all year. In Vancouver, we're spared from a lot of the snow, so that's all right. Just think rain and more rain and more rain. So everything's lush and beautiful. I hear you're quiet, lot. Are you going to be quiet tonight or this morning? No, especially not with all you young people. You're wild and crazy. Is it all right to hang out with an old grandma like me? It's all right? Think I could teach you anything? You know what? I love this generation. I really do. I find that the young people in this generation are spectacular. They're curious. They want to know. They don't want you to just tell them what to do. They want to know why they should do what you tell them to do. And uh, I love them. They're curious. They want to change the world. They don't just want to buy yachts and big houses. They literally want to stop hunger and have clean water supplies and 
for the world. They're an, an amazing group of people. They want to serve Jesus passionately. So I'm very honored to have you here today. And I thought you might get nervous. And you go, you've got a grandma here? Yep, you do. What an honor, as Anne said already. I've known her for a long time and uh, met her in a very different season of life. And uh, so for me to be here today, we certainly kept in touch and seen each other throughout the years. But to see what God has done has just done my heart. I'm going home with my heart so full to meet your family. And uh, we've met Gary before, of course. I met her pre-Gary. Like, I've been around a long, long time. I guess she had known him and met him before. But uh, I love what God has done. And so to come here and see this beautiful, thriving church. And hello, you live in a beautiful part of the world. Like, there's vineyards everywhere. Who knew this was so spectacular? I am so coming back here. You guys are like, you, you need to advertise more. And tell everybody how fabulous you are. One time I came here by accident, kind of. But on the backside, I think, because I put Google Maps in. I had landed in San Diego, and I was going to Palm Springs. And I saw it was, you know, about six minutes shorter, or six miles shorter. It was not six minutes shorter, but we did the mountain passes. And yeah, when I arrived in um, Palm Springs, I said, is there another way back to San Diego? Because it was the foggiest day ever, and those roads are a little scary in the fog. But we made it, and uh, so this is beautiful. I love where you live, it's stunning. So you are in this beautiful theme, this amazing theme of believing beyond. Are you all believing beyond? How good was today to see all these people, 49 people baptized. That is stunning. For, <clears throat> for those of you that aren't baptized yet, what are you waiting for? Get baptized. I got baptized on February the 8th, 1971. I was 15 years old, in love with Jesus, and uh, was about to meet somebody who was going to get to know Jesus, which is my husband. My, yes, we've been married for 44 years. I was 15 years old when I met John Burns. He was definitely the cutest boy on the football team at Killarney High School 100 years ago. And, uh, and his sister and my sister were friends, and so I uh, had just been baptized. I was just in love with Jesus. But I had gone by his house because my sister has to, had to pick up a project. Project. What do you say, project, right? Do you know what project means? I taught Canadian. You might not know what that is. Um, Tim Hortons. Oh, one of my, I just met one of my, uh, someone here today, Rutledge, Jonathan Rutledge. You were up here singing, weren't you? I got to meet you. Amazing. Do you know that Jonathan Rutledge is from one of the most iconic families in Canada when it comes to Christendom? Do you know that? If not, you like, you should. He's amazing. So, why was I talking about Tim Hortons or whatever? But I was meeting John for the very first time and uh, had just uh, been baptized. And, and so I was, had gone with my sister, yes, to, her, um, to John's house. And there was John looking all suave and debonair, wearing Pacific 66 uniform. He worked for his father's trucking business. And um, I don't think that's around anymore either. It was an oil company. Anyhow, there he was looking all handsome, and I just looked at him, and I said, hi, I think I've seen you in high school before. I go to Killarney, too, and he goes, I don't think I've seen you. And he just completely ignored me, dismissed me, put a newspaper up in front of his face, and just pretended I wasn't there. But I went back, and I told my sister, boy, that Johnny Burns is really cute. And she told someone who told someone. 
that came up to John and said, hey, there's a girl in grade 10 that likes you, but if you ever ask her out, do not mention God, because if you do, she will talk your ear off. I was on fire for Jesus. I love Jesus with my whole heart. I had just been baptized, and it changed my life. And I was letting the world know that I love Jesus. And so that's where it all started for John and I. So I was able to, on our first date, he did ask me out, and he asked me, he says, why should I not mention God around you? Why? Someone told me I shouldn't, so why should I not mention God around you? And I did talk his ear off, and I introduced him to Jesus, and it wasn't long after that. He gave his life to Jesus, and he became a Christian. And so I wish I could tell you that from there we just went from strength to strength and strength to strength. We got married, John was in university at the time, and a few years later we got married, and after four years of, um, well, we got married and he got accepted into dental school, so he be began the dental program right after we got married, and so for four years he did dentistry and graduated in 1978. At that point, we had been married for four years, and I was very, very pregnant with our third daughter. I was, had our first daughter at 10 and a half months after being married, the next one came 14 months later, and now I was pregnant with Ashley, which is Grace's mom. But at that time now, even though we started out so great, I found myself stuck. I found myself broken. I found myself not believing beyond, but completely stuck in a place with a broken heart and with broken dreams. And so today I want to talk around what happens when, when, you, when you want to believe beyond where you are right now, and yet, life didn't turn out like you thought it would turn out. And I want to talk around the subject of leaving a legacy and building a legacy for the future. Because you might be where I was. I was at that time only 22 years old, pregnant with my third child. And then the world looked like everything was perfect. On the outside, life looked great. But after we'd been married for a year or so, John decided, I don't want to go to church with you anymore. He had started drinking a lot, and I had started yelling a lot. And we became like that typical couple that lost their dream, that didn't believe beyond at all anymore, and were very stuck in a broken relationship. And after John graduated from dentistry, we were, he had already built a practice up in northern British Columbia, about 350 miles away from Vancouver, where we were born and raised. And we were getting ready to go, and I looked at him and I said, I'm not coming with you. He goes, what do you mean you're not coming with me? I, with, I said, I can't do this. I don't want to live like this anymore. Our marriage was broken. And it wasn't because he was unfaithful or I was unfaithful or because there was abuse. We had just stopped dreaming. We had stopped building. We had stopped pursuing God and pursuing God's plan for our lives and found ourselves in such a desperate situation. And so he moved up to Williams Lake. And that would have been like in May of 78. And during that season, he moved up there. So now I was home alone and I had two little girls. And his, he stepped right into his practice, and it was just booming right, off, right out of the gate. Everything seemed to be, they needed a new dentist up there desperately. And he was building a thriving practice, and just a few months in, his schedule was full. We were building a brand new home. Who does that? A new practice, a new home? John Burns does. He's a big dreamer. But we forgot to build our marriage. And so now here we are, shattered. And I remember one night, I tell this story often, if you've ever heard me teach before, chances are you might have heard me share this story. But there was a night where I had come to the end of myself, and I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit tell me, Helen, this is not the life that I've called you to live. This is not the life I planned for you. 
And I'm so thankful that night I paid attention to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. That I just didn't stay stuck with my brokenness and, and feel like such a victim and so disappointed in John and disappointed in myself. When I looked in the mirror, all I saw was failure. I felt like, how could I be here when my dreams were shining so bright before? And here I was now with a broken marriage. Felt like a failure as a mother and certainly a failure as a Christian. But it was in that place one night, I had just tucked Angela and Danica into bed. They were three and two years old. And I was pregnant, very pregnant with Ashley, our youngest, Grace's mom. And while I was there one night, I had tucked these two into bed. And they looked so innocent. I still get choked every time I talk about it because God is so good. It's good to remember where God brought you from. And I had seen their little sweet faces. I tucked them into bed. And I remember going from there, getting on my knees in my bedroom. I got on my knees, and I remember these words came out of my mouth. I said, God, I've had life with you, and I've had life without you, and I cannot live one more day without you. I need you, God. And in that moment, I felt God come and meet me. And I, I felt judged. No one was judging me. I judged myself. I felt like God would be mad at me, but I didn't feel any anger I didn't feel any disappointment. All I felt in that moment was the love of God. You know the song we just sung? He chases me down, fights, you know, knocks every door down that's in a way. It's like love rushed to me in that moment. It's always waiting. God's always waiting. But unless we open up our hearts to him, he can't invade us in the way he's wanting to. But that moment I felt no judgment, no condemnation. I just felt the pure, unadulterated, perfect love of God. And it met me. And I remember it felt like his arms came around me and just forgiveness flowed. And I repented and I cried out to God and I said, I don't know if John will take one step forward with me, but I'm going with you, God. I don't know where this is going to lead me, but I'm going with you. And from that moment on, I've never looked back. And that was just over 40 years ago. And it seems like a long, long time, especially to you young people. But 40 years can make a difference. And see, I look at my life today and where God has taken me. And I realize that God met me in that way because he had plans and purposes for my life. Not to stay stuck, not to stay broken, not to stay a victim, but to pick me up and bring me on a pathway for his purpose. And so the story is that God met me and I began to discover who I was in Christ. I began to take open my Bible, I would open my Bible and I'd begin to underline every time I saw something about a woman of God, I'd underline it and I'd write my name in the column. Every time I saw a scripture about a man of God, I would do the same thing and I'd write John. When I talked about family, I would write my children's name. And soon John and I were living in the same city. I moved up to Williams Lake and we began a brand new life. And we began to build and rebuild and forgive and learn how to communicate and how to rebuild a marriage, how to rebuild a family. We found ourselves in this beautiful little local church that welcomed us with open arms. I am such a believer in the local church. Don't ever take for granted what's happening here this morning. It's bigger than you know. Something miraculous happens in your world when you are connected into the house of God because it's always been God's plan. It literally is the local church is the hope of the world. And we found ourselves in a church, and we began to serve. We began to lead youth. John, he was asked to lead youth, and he's like, what's a youth group? He didn't even know what a youth group was. But we said yes. We just said yes to whatever opportunities came our way. 
to build the house of God, and God began to rebuild and restore our marriage. And I look at my life today, and I realize the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And several years ago, probably, well, at least a dozen years ago or more, I was standing on a platform of a very large church in Australia. And I was teaching about 350 Bible school students that morning. And as I stepped onto the platform, I sensed so strongly again the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he said to me, and now my life had changed. Our marriage had come together and God was opening up crazy doors like this one for me to sit and talk with you today. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, Helen, you did not get here on your own. There have been those that went before you and have paid a price and have prayed for you and have, you are standing, I literally felt like I was standing on the shoulders of those who had carried me in prayer. It's funny, when my life came back together, I so knew to pick up the phone and to call certain people in my life and I said, thank you for praying for me. I'm back in church. Our marriage is healing. God is doing a work. I knew there were people that had carried me. And so that morning as, as I was teaching on, at this church, I just felt that whisper of the Holy Spirit. And I was so grateful. And one person I felt in particular that had carried me was my grandmother. My mom's mom, my Oma, my beloved Oma, who's in heaven today. But she never would stand on platforms like I do or hold a microphone. But that woman knew how to pray. That woman knew how to push through really dark places in her life. Her story's big. And she raised my amazing mother, one of the strongest women you'd ever meet. She's amazing. And I'm so grateful for people like that, that helped build a platform so that I could stand and do what I'm doing today. And so I recognize I could have squandered that opportunity, but there was such an investment that was put into me. Just several years ago, I was in South America. My parents were born in Paraguay, South America. And I had gone back to visit my dad's family that was there, and one of my cousins is a preacher there. He's a pastor and leads a beautiful church there. And I was handed a gift, and this gift, as soon as it was put in my hands, the tears began to flow. And it was a Bible written in Gothic German in that old script, which I can read a little bit, and I can speak German. But in it, I opened it up, and the tears began to flow because I opened the cover. It was my grandfather's Bible my, on my father's side. And he was a pastor. They were very, very poor, but he gave his life. He, they had been, literally, were refugees that had come from Russia, f fleeing the Russian Revolution, ended up as refugees in Paraguay with nothing. But they had carved out a life there, and now he was a pastor there, and he had this Bible. And he had since deceased many years before, but I was given this Bible as a gift. It's quite a treasure to me. And I saw my name in that Bible. And then I saw him add in my husband's name, my children's names, the ones, no grandchildren, because they weren't born by the time he went to heaven, but that man prayed. And I was on the other side of his faithfulness and willingness to pray. And so I know today I'm standing even on this platform because of the faithfulness of others that have carried me to this place. But I recognize I could have squandered it all and could have decided that I didn't want to live out the plan and the purpose of God. But when the devil said, you can't anymore, see, that's why he told me, you're a failure. You're never going to do what your grandparents did. You're never going to do what your parents did. You are a failure. You married the wrong guy. You are stupid. I had to stand up on the inside and say, devil, you're wrong, and I'm going to fight. And I learned the truth of, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I learned the truth of what the Bible said about what I could have. And so I'm not going to give up. 
and um, on what God put in my hand to do. I want to live out my season, my time faithfully. In, in Psalm 78, this is out of the Passion Translation in verses 1 through 7. It's this beautiful picture of legacy and of generations. I'm passionate about generations. I believe so strongly in building strong generations. I love that, that in this room, I look around the room, there's generations in here. And really what defines a generation actually is we're all breathing air at the same time. Not age, but I love we see all kinds of different ages in this group here today. It's, it's, it's well represented. I love that there are ones that are my age and maybe even a little bit older and some that are much, much younger. But we're here together wanting to do the purposes of God. And here it says, beloved ones, listen to this instruction. Open your heart to the revelation of this mystery that I share with you. A parable and a proverb are hidden in what I say. An intriguing riddle from the past. We have heard true stories from our fathers about our rich heritage. And we will continue to tell our children and not hide from the rising generation the great marvels of our God, his miracles and powers that have brought us all this far. The story of Israel is a lesson in God's ways. He established decrees for Jacob and established the law in Israel. And he commanded our forefathers to teach them to their children. For perpetuity, God's way will be passed down from one generation to the next and even those not yet born. And in this way, every generation will have a living faith in the laws of life and will never forget the faithful ways of God. I love this portion of scripture. It says, picture of the past, the present, and the future. I realized today as a grandmother, my youngest grandchild is now 12 and my oldest is 22. But when I was making decisions way back 40 years ago and began to invest into the lives of my daughters, Angela, Danica, and Ashley, I did not know that what I was investing years ago would actually show up in my grandchildren. Because when I was raising my children, I was raising my grandchildren. And some of you are here today and say, oh, I don't have any children. I don't see them for a while coming up. And, but you are all investing and raising generations, if you will, whether you have born children or not. I've given birth to three daughters. However, I have a much bigger family than three daughters and eight grandchildren. Those are my children, my, my immediate family. But I think what, I'm, what I can be a part of is much bigger than that. And I'm really thankful that we don't, we don't have to see just with like our blood relatives, if you will, or our immediate family. It's way bigger. Church is like that. It's way bigger than the immediate. But I'm grateful for those that God has entrusted to me. And I'm thankful now that I realize some of those decisions I made a long time ago, even 40 years ago, I mean, things like when I would tuck the girls into bed and I'd read them yet another Bible story or I would stop to pray with them or I would just stop to look them in the eye and tell them that God loves them and people love them and they're going to have a great day. I, all the different things you invest into their little hearts and you tuck them in there. I didn't know how huge the dividends of that would be many generations later or, or generations later. I didn't know, but God saw it. And I see the fruit today. I love, there's a song that Hillsong has put out that's called um, Seasons. It's one of my favorite songs in the world, but it talks about from seed to sequoia. That a tiny little seed will produce a healthy sequoia. That one day we can look, and I know the oldest tree living here in, in the redwoods in this, in this state is, is 3,500 years old. 
And you know it's one of the fastest growing specimens on planet Earth today. It hasn't regressed, it hasn't stopped growing, it's still growing from strength to strength. And I love this picture because it endures winter, it endures fires, it endures hard things, but the seed that has been planted in faith can keep growing. And God is doing that in our lives as well, because there is more. And we are building the future with strength to strength. The truth is the legacy, the, uh, there's the past, present, and future. The legacy of the past is the bridge into the future. And so I have a beautiful legacy, a strong legacy, which I feel very compelled to steward well, to not squander it. And I spent a season squandering it. But God didn't just throw my legacy away. He just gave me a chance to come back and keep building. And so I may have made mistakes in the past. I think we probably all have. But that doesn't mean you're finished. That means get up and keep going. Some of you are here today and you think, but my mistakes have been too big or, or my life is too hard or this is too challenging. Stop believing what the enemy says and start believing and embracing the truth of your future. There was a day I believed with all of my heart that it was easier to quit my marriage and give up on it than to fight for it. It seemed too hard. It seemed impossible. How am I going to get what I believe God has for me? And, and God just said, if you will be faithful with what I put in your heart and in your hand, I will be faithful to you. And so I couldn't make the choices and decisions John Wood made, but my changing my life and turning towards Jesus turned John back to Jesus. Brought up a generation of daughters that believe in Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing that God is doing to build forward the future. The legacy of the past is a bridge into the future. It's anchored in the selfless investments of the faith of those who have gone before us. And I feel such a sense of responsibility with that. It's sacred. You might be here today and say, well, no one's done that for me. Will you do that for someone else? Will you do that for someone else? My husband, John, is a first-generation born-again Christian. First-generation but I think of his life and what it's produced, it's astounding. That God took one kid who was lost, he came to Christ, wobbled, went, didn't do strong, then locked in. And I'll never forget when God, when I prayed for John, this is a true story, when our marriage went through that wobbly time, I prayed and prayed for John when I came back to faith, and I prayed. And I said, God, he's yours. Show, you take him. And I remember when God met John in the most profound way. I still remember the night John was filled with the Holy Spirit. We had gone to a banquet together that night. Another doctor was speaking. He was telling of miracles. And John was like, he had never heard anything like this before. And at the end, the, the, it was just a banquet, full gospel business banquet. Someone said, said, if there's anyone here who wants the power to be a witness, he talked about after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, receive power to be my witness. John was a stutterer, which was a lot of the challenge that he faced in life. And as a child, he was very bullied and very ridiculed. And he was very much a loner, an introvert. I was the opposite. But he, uh, <laughs> I was just a chatterbox. I talked to everybody. But here we were now together, and that didn't help our marriage in those early days. But now he's at a banquet, and someone says, if you want to receive power to be a witness, and John thought that meant be a power, receive power to talk. He's like, me. <laughs> Put his hand up. He went to the front of this meeting. I was raised really conservative. We were not, you know, hands raised. And, I mean, 
I'd never seen anything like this meeting. I was very conservative Mennonite brother, and we were almost Amish, right? So uh, <laughs> me in that meeting, it was a very different meeting. And so John goes up to the front. Someone lays hands on him. He says, to receive the power to, you know, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. John got filled with the Holy Spirit. He had never heard about speaking in tongues before. He had never heard about any of these things. He came out of the... I, I ran out the back, man. I was like... <laughs> I'm calling the babysitter. I just ran. I was terrified of what was happening. And he comes out looking like he had just swallowed a million watt light bulb. He came out to the car and I'm like, what happened to you? And he goes, do you know what happened to me? I don't know what happened to me. And I said, are you speaking in tongues? And he says, is that what it is? I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, God met him in the most glorious way. And if you know John Burns, he would never have faked what just happened. And John was transformed in a moment. He never took another drink of alcohol after that. Never touched it again. He never, his mouth changed. He cleaned up his language instantly. I mean, he was transformed. He, it was the most dramatic change that God had done. I had prayed, and I remember one day, like John would come home after work, as you know, working all day, he'd come home, and he'd just say, can I just take my dinner and go somewhere else? I just want to read my Bible. I just want to read my Bible. He was like the starving person that was finally finding a relationship with God and just would dig into the Bible. And I remember saying, God, I prayed, but you overdosed. Like, this is, like, ridiculous. <laughs> but I looked at him, and I remember the Holy Spirit saying, well, he's not slowing down, so you better run to catch up. And I feel like I've been doing that the rest of these years. But no regrets. You know what? One decision, one decision, and I, the, the past is a bridge into the future, but this present moment is so critical too. I don't know about you. Maybe you're right there today. And I, I taught this very different in the first service, but right now is a moment. You know the most important moment of your life is? This one. This one. That moment John put his hand up was a life-changing moment for him, and God met him in the most dramatic way. That day I tucked my girls into bed and went and found myself on my knees before God. It was one moment that changed everything. And so this moment matters. But we have to meet God like that, and he is so ready to meet you. And I look at our life today. Here we teach marriage and family around the world. We have a television broadcast that's global. It's actually called Sex, Love, and Relationships. I wish it was love, relationships, and sex, but no, no, sex at the front. And you look at it, you think, how did you ever get that opportunity? Well, God healed our marriage, gave us a passion for marriages and families. God took what was our most broken part of our life and he used it to show off his strength. What will happen, what you might think is the most broken, in a moment, you can build a bridge into your future if you will just decide, I will not stay stuck. I'm going to get up from this place. I'm going to make a decision for God. And whatever that looks like for you, take a step forward because church, there is a miracle in one step. Believing beyond, believing beyond doesn't mean I see everything out there. Believing beyond is I'm willing to take one step forward. I'm not staying here anymore, but I'm going to take one step forward. And as I take one step forward, God will meet you there. And miracles can happen. And then it's all about the hope of the future. The past is a bridge. This present moment matters. But what are we doing? We're building the future. And I look today, I look at John and I, now 44 and a half years into marriage, madly in love with each other, 
still dreaming big dreams for the future, have had the chance of building a strong, beautiful church that literally this year we are handing off the baton to our daughter, yes, our daughter, who is leading the church forward into the future with her amazing husband, but she's, gonna, she's the lead pastor. That's a different story, but it's a good one. And it's fantastic. Generations of grandchildren that, that are loving Jesus and moving forward into their future because it was all about a bridge into the future that God wanted to build all the way. But it starts with one step forward. So the decisions you make today are critical because history doesn't write itself. We write history through our lives. So what, do you, what can you do today where God can meet you in the most magnificent way? Just a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you. And one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 127. And it's this picture of building the future. It's the picture of building God's way. And I think about even this church building, a beautiful building you have here, amazing. Um, Somebody had a vision. Somebody paid the price for us to be sitting here today. And when when you want to build something spectacular, and you do, you bring in the master builder, the architect in the beginning. You don't just decide, oh, I'm just going to wing it and see what we end up with. But you know what? Most of us build our lives by winging it. And God doesn't want us to wing it. He's got a plan and a purpose. And he wants us to come to him with intention and say, God, you get to be the boss of my life. You get to be Lord. What do you want me to do with one, my one life? And then watch the adventure God will take you on. And Psalm 127 says, unless the eternal builds the house, those who labor to raise it will have worked for nothing. Unless the eternal stands watch over the city, those who guard it have wasted their time. God provides for his own. It is pointless to get up early, work hard, and go to bed late, anxiously laboring for food to eat, for God provides for those he loves even when they're sleeping. Know this, children are a gift from the eternal. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And here I find three of the biggest life lessons that have taught me well about generations and believing beyond Number one is realize you on your own are not adequate. You can't do it on your own. You're not smart enough, talented enough, um, gifted enough to do it on your own. You try to take the next breath if God doesn't give it to you. And yet we're so arrogant so often to think, God, I got this. That's what John and I did. We got married, madly in love with each other, 44 and a half years ago, and thought, we got this. We're just going to take off and do our own thing. I found myself pregnant after six and a half weeks of marriage. I'm now pregnant. Angela was born when we had been married for ten and a half months. John was becoming a dentist. He took off doing his thing. I took off taking care of babies and trying to make ends meet as a student. He was a student. And we're like, we got this. We love you, Jesus. Yeah, we don't have time for church so much anymore and haven't been reading my Bible anymore as the way that I used to. And it's this picture of we get busy with life and we forget that we cannot build the future and believe without a relationship that actually is committed to God. That we wake up in the morning and we don't think, what do I want? We think, God, what do you want? How do you want me to build this? Because in yourself, you are not adequate. You don't have enough. Your efforts aren't enough because he alone can build and watch over your life. Young people, the future's yours. 
Do whatever you want. God has nothing but amazing for you. He's got the best. But don't go listen to every university professor or everybody out there for their opinions or the latest famous blogger for how you should. They might help you take a great selfie. But you actually really want to know how to build your life. Go to people who love God. Go to the Word of God. You're in church today. You're the best of the best. I know that. But there are going to be days you're not going to want to come anymore. There are going to be days that someone's going to say, why do you go to that church? You have to know why you're doing what you're doing and build your life God's way. And I want to talk to those of you in the room as well that are in my season of life. You know, this year we're we're not officially retiring. We are handing off responsibilities. But I've got places to go and things to do. There's a lot in front of me that I get to embrace in this season of life, but I wouldn't dare think I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I've done it before. I'll just carry on. No, no, I need God like I need my next breath. And I am trusting him for a magnificent future. Number two, without God, you're on a treadmill going nowhere. That's a Helen Burns-ism. But it says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. I feel like so many of us are doing life just like that. I look at life, and that's what it looks like for so many people. They're racing on a treadmill, going faster and faster, sweating profusely, and not being able. And they just keep putting more things on, carrying more things as they're racing, but they're on a treadmill and not going anywhere. And I feel like the Holy Spirit so often is inviting us us to press stop. No one's going to stop it for you. No one's going to say, oh, just take a break. Because we take on all these things and we think we can do more. And if we do more, then we're better. No, not necessarily. We're only supposed to do what God asks us to do. And so I feel like he's telling us, stop the treadmill. Get off and do an assessment of your life. Is this working for you? And if it's not, fix it. Change your calendar. Figure out what you need to do with your life. If you're, not, if you're married and you're not dating each other or having dates as a family or family nights, if every meal you're having is at a drive through and in a hurry, stop the madness because you want a future. And it depends on us doing this well. Children are desperate to have relationships. Put the phone away. I sound like an old grandmother right now, but, and I, I like my phone as much as anybody. But sometimes you just have to do the right thing, not the easy thing. And actually have a conversation and spend time together and look eye to eye and have that time together. John, many years ago, started dating our daughters once a month. You know, all these years later, he still dates our daughters. But our girls knew that daddy had a big life, but they had priority. John would date me every week, and then once a week, we always had family night. And it was the biggest thing in our calendar. Sure, there's seasons of crazy, but listen, don't live in crazy. There are seasons, but don't live there. Don't park there. And don't keep adding more. If you want to build a great legacy and a great future, you have to literally build it. It won't build itself. And so it means sometimes stop what you're doing, assess where you are, and now make adjustments to go where you actually want to go. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself like John and I did in a broken relationship, shipwrecked, and defeated. But God can step in anywhere and say, we can fix that. We can work with that. The third thought, 
is about family and about children, and I brought this up already, but children are your inheritance. I'm going to say this again. Children are not just those that you have physically born. We are all responsible toward others. There are people counting on you. Sometimes I look at my life and I realize there's a lot of people counting on me that I don't want to make a wrong step and I don't want to make a stupid decision. And John and I have this thought constantly, we are one decision away from stupid. It's a healthy thought to have. That's a good one to remember. That in a moment, we can make the best decision of our life or the worst decision of our life. And I live with a healthy fear of doing the wrong thing. Not terrified of it, just aware. Because there's people counting on me. If I was to decide that I just was going to walk away from my commitments, there would be Gracie on the other side of that. That would also pay the price for bad choices. It matters to me that generations are depending on me, and I want to leave a legacy that isn't broken, but that is whole and is healthy. So I have to have my priorities in check. I love the word priorities. And I've learned to not hate them, I learned to love them. Because what are priorities? They're simply the unchanging values that God has called us to live by. Seasons change. Priorities don't. My commitment is to God, to build a healthy house, a healthy marriage, a healthy family. When I say a house, a healthy church, that my life honors God. That is my life mission, to know him and to make him known. But when I know what that is, you know, John one day interviewed Joyce Meyer. She's got a big life. And she, he said, how do you manage priorities? And I love what she said to him. She said, it's like you put both hands on the steering wheel, and we know we're going in that direction, and I can see where we're going. But she said, there's always little adjustments along the way. You don't just lock in and just never have to adjust. Just constant adjustments. I think that is such a good picture. Be willing to make the adjustments, but never get off the road from where you actually want to go. Priorities determine our goals, our long-range plans. When you know what they are, you just do what you need to do. If you want to stay married, you date one another. If you want to marry a man of God or a woman of God one day, you're in the right place to meet that person. People ask me all the time, how do you meet that person? Where are they? And I, we always say, know what you're called to do and run hard doing what you're called to do. And one day you're going to look over your shoulder and go, hey, you're running that way too. And you have potential. That's what you do. You don't get off the path to go find somebody. You stay on the path because you know what your priorities are. They give context to everything you do. They bring balance to one another. And so know what they are and then stick to them. I'm not going to go into this, but, but just before I pray for you, one of the things that we have done that I think has been one of the strengths of the Burns family and even the church that we lead is we really value tradition. And I think it's a lost word. My favorite movie of all time is Fiddler on the Roof, and I have no time to go into that, but it's my favorite movie. And John's favorite movie is Dumb and Dumber. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. There's some... He just thinks it's the best movie ever made. I'm like, it's pretty dumb. <laughs> but, uh, but the theme song of Fiddler is Traditions. But the value of traditions, and I don't mean traditions just for the sake of traditions. I mean traditions that have meaning attached to it. On Monday night, we will f celebrate as a family Thanksgiving. It's not going to be Thanksgiving Monday because we're not home. 
but we will gather. We have made gathering very important. And we will spend time together. We will connect with one another. It's not just about we will have Thanksgiving dinner and this is what it looks like. No, there's something that happens that's bigger than just the, the, the holiday. It's the gathering. But we don't just gather once in a while. We gather often. And I call traditions like the unwritten history of your family because they give stability and it gives strength to what you're building. Some of the things every time you come to church and you think it happens every week, that's intentional. It's not just, they don't just do it because it's a religious thing to do. They do it because it's a sense of when I come to church, I know what to expect. I know, and it's changing. It's not, doesn't like always stay the same. But it's the sense of belonging, the sense of <sighs> identity. I belong here. Some of you might have come in here for the very first time and yet you feel like you're home. It's like God saying, that's right, welcome home, you belong here. And that's what tradition does. That's what it creates that security of coming together. And I love that this is so strong in this church setting. So traditions do provide stability, help us preserve strong values, something very lost in this world. If you want to adopt the systems of the world, it's easy. But when you know where you belong and you know whose you are and you know the foundation, and you want to build a legacy, it's really important to have just that stability and strong values attached to it. And I believe it's something very, very lost in the world that we have today. And I think as families, we need to get good at this. They create safety and trust and many other things. But I want to encourage you. I feel like I've started in the beginning of maybe this is your first day. And you don't really know yet who you are. But welcome home. You're safe. There's a place you can build the future here. For some of you who've been coming here for a long time in your church, you might be like me, having been married for over 40 years. But there's so much work left for you to do, to build a legacy, continue to build the legacy that builds a future. And some of you are on the fence, and I want to encourage you, dig in. Don't wait. Like I said, you make the decisions that will build the future that you want because God has so much for you. And as I look at my past and I see the history of where I've come from, I'm very grateful because every step of my way, I see Jesus. He's always been with me. But I'm still looking so strong into the future in this season of life and knowing if God's brought me this far, where can he still take me? I don't want to be here and just think, I'm just going to go and check out for a while now. Somebody else can pick up my baton and run the rest of the race for me. I don't want to do that. I want to be faithful with what I've been given and finish strong. Amen? So welcome to building a better future. Not just for you, but for the generations who are depending on you to not ever settle, but to build strong into the future. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. God, you know every story. Not one is hidden from you. Not one. And Holy Spirit, would you just speak intimately and closely to everyone that's here right now? Would you just let them know how much you love them and how much you have planned for them and for their future? I thank you that they're not hidden from you and they are adored by you. Church, just as we're here this morning, I just want to quickly ask, 
If there's anyone perhaps here that has never committed their life to Jesus for the first time, you've never opened your heart to a relationship with Jesus, and I sense there's some of you here. And today is just a great big welcome home to God's heart. Welcome home to his plan and his purpose for you. And as you say, yes, Jesus, I want to be your child. I want to build my life with you. He is just waiting for you. Or you may be here and be kind of where I was 40 years ago. I had known Jesus as a teenager. I had served him, but I got lost. I lost my passion. I lost my purpose. I lost my joy. And maybe you're here and you're still showing up, but you know you're not where you could be or should be. And I want to encourage you today to just open your heart to Jesus again and say, I'm coming home. I just, I'm going to come home to you completely. If that's you, God would just love to meet you right there. So I want to lead everyone in a prayer, and I want to ask everyone to pray this along with me today. The most important thing is that God sees you. He sees your heart. He's listening to you as you pray, and he's going to encounter you right there. So let's pray this together. We're all going to pray together because we're going to support you that are praying this for the first time or coming back to Jesus. Let's say this. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died on a cross for me to take away all of my sins. And so I come today, and I ask you to forgive me for living life my way. Today, Jesus, I put you first. Be my Lord and my Savior. And from this day forward, I will live for you. Thank you that I am a Christian, a follower and believer in Jesus Christ. From this day forward, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. It's been such a joy to be with you. You guys are really pretty amazing, and it's been an absolute honor to be with you. God bless you. Can we give Helen Burns one more thank you today? In a few minutes, we're going to be dismissing, but if everybody would, just hold tight for a few minutes. Um, I hope today you listened because if you were paying attention, you got some great wisdom for right now and for your future. So if you didn't learn something today, I'm not being smart, but if you didn't learn something today, you weren't listening because there was some great wisdom given to us today. And I want to encourage you to take those nuggets of wisdom and walk into the future with him. Now, for those of you who prayed that prayer for the first time or you recommitted your life to the Lord a few moments ago, we've got a little tool we want to give you. It's a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just real simple reading. It'll help you understand what relationship with God is all about. It'll help you start building that relationship with God. Because the prayer is, is not the end of the journey. That's just the beginning. We want to help you build your relationship with God. So when service is over today, we want to put one of these in your hand. There's two ways you can get it. Number one, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone about any need. If you just walk up on these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they'll help answer questions. If you want prayer for something, they'll pray with you. But please come forward and give them a chance to give you one of these. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. Now, if you're in a really big rush and you don't have time to come down to the front, 
On your way out, as you exit the building where the glass doors are, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. It has a sign about beginning your relationship with God. Stop by there, ask for the book. They'll give you the same book there, same circumstances. We just want to help you get started walking with God. Please let us do that for you today. And church family, can we welcome new family members into God's family today? God bless you. And give Pastor Corey a good hand this morning. Hey, what a great day in church today. Um, this is the moment in service where we can worship God through our giving. And you'll see several options and how you can give on the screens. Um, Pastor Helen, as she was speaking, both first and second service, she said, uh, she said something that was really powerful. And, and um, I said this in the first service, but, but it's interesting because um, often certain preachers will repeat something that they think, oh, this is really good. So they'll say it like 10, 15, 40 times. Um, and she said something that was so good, she really only said it once. And I wanted to revisit it because it was so powerful. She said, in talking about her legacy and her grandfather and the people who went before her, she said, I didn't get here alone. And church, we didn't get here alone. She talked about how um, there were people before her who were willing to pay the price. And 20 years ago, and even further back than that, there were people who, who believed in what God would be doing here, now, today. And they went before us and they paid the price. And Helen said something in the first time. She said, longevity and legacy cost more than you know, but it's worth it. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna challenge us with this thought today. As you give, it's amazing to give into um, into a church that it's not hard to see where our giving's going. When we walk in back of the church just about every Sunday and we see community care happening where we're literally feeding hundreds of people. And, you know, we, we got to go to Africa and build a church and all the different things that we're involved in community-wide. And um, as youth pastor, I can tell you that your giving is really, really laying a foundation and paving a way for a legacy coming up underneath you. But can I also tell you that as you give, you're giving into kids that aren't even born yet. And 20 years from now, there'll be people sitting in this church because of your investment. I think of those 20 years ago and the now and the 20 years from now, how one day we'll all meet in heaven and the people 20 years ago will say, hey, you don't know me, but my name's so-and-so. You're welcome because I gave and the air conditioner was on when Helen Burns spoke. And then, and then 20 years from now, you'll, you'll be in heaven and you'll meet someone and say, hey, you're welcome because, you know, those really cool lights, those weren't free, you know? Like, we get to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So as you give today, give knowing that you really are leaving a legacy. You really are giving into something that is so much bigger than yourself. Amen? Hey, and as you give today, have confidence because God is faithful. As the ushers come, let's watch church news together. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nicole, and welcome to The Bridge. We are thrilled you and your family are here with us. If you are here with us for the first time today, we want to give you a special welcome and say thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected here at the church. So take a look at church news and see what's coming up at The Bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you how you can get involved. Here at The Bridge, we're getting ready for our annual Fall Fest. 
This is a free event with games, candy, rides, and, well, more candy. We hope that you'll join us on October 31st. For more information about Fall Fest, you can visit our website, thebridgechurch.tv. The fall season of Bridge Men is underway and will continue Tuesday, October 9th. All guys are invited to join us for a powerful night of fellowship and the teaching of God's Word. The evening kicks off at 6.30 p.m. when drinks and snacks will be provided. We hope every man will be here on Tuesday, October 9th at 6.30 p.m. for Man to Man. Hi, everybody. I am Pastor Nick, and I'm the newest pastor here at The Bridge. I just want to remind everybody to check out our Connect Groups. We have something amazing happening right now. It's not too late to get involved. We literally have something for every age and stage. So please go out to the Connection Center today and get the Connect Guide. Life isn't meant to be done alone. Let's do it together and let's grow together with Christ. and give you all of the details about how you can get involved here at The Bridge. Take a few minutes to stop by and say hi before you go today. We want to do our best to help you get connected in church life. Once again, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, please come and get your free copy of The Next Seven Days from one of our prayer teams or at The Next Seven Days desk before you go. We want to help you take your next steps in your walk with God. For info on anything else, you can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today. We love spending our Sundays with you. Hey, have you enjoyed being in church today? Hey, one more time, can we just say thank you to Pastor Helen for such an amazing word this morning. Hey, if you got baptized today, don't forget to hit the photo booth outside. Hey, we had a great time being in church with you today. We'll see you next week. Touch the sky.